This is Barry Zalma, Zalma on Insurance. I'm an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an expert witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to speak about the duty to defend the bad case. The duty to defend under any kind of liability insurance policy is not limited to cases where the suit against the insured is viable. The duty extends to those that are brought against the insured that are bad, false, even fraudulent. For example, in Wild versus Subscription Plus Incorporated, a 2002 decision of the Seventh Circuit, the court was faced with a dispute over the duty to defend when there was a finding that the insurer, Scottsdale, had no duty to indemnify the two insureds because the accident was not covered by the policy after all. Scottsdale appealed the judgment that it had a duty to defend. It also appealed from the court's correlative order, based on Oklahoma insurance law, that it reimbursed the insureds for the expense of defending against the tort suit. The Seventh Circuit, resolving the issue in favor of the insured, stated, quote, If the suit against the insured were meritorious, the insurance company would pick up the tab for defending. But if the suit had no merit, the expense of defending it would be borne by the insured. That would make no sense. The insured who has bought a liability policy that entitles him to defense as well as indemnification, wants to be defended against claims of liability regardless of their merit. He doesn't want to be stuck with the lawyer's bill just because he wins and therefore doesn't need to look to the insurer for indemnification. If he wanted that, he would just buy indemnification and not defense. This was Scottsdale versus Subscription Plus, the 2002 decision from the wonderful Seventh Circuit. In 2007, Jack and Sally Pomerank, doing business as Mansard Garden Associates, LLC, were the owners of an apartment building in Bayonne, New Jersey. They were taken to court by tenants of the building after a fireball erupted in a unit causing burn injuries to three children whose mothers could only watch helplessly as they were scorched. The mothers sued the Pomerances for emotional distress under what is known as a Porti claim, but Mansard's insurer under a commercial general liability insurance policy Greater New York Mutual Insurance Company refused to cover the Pomerantz's defense costs. The policy provided it would defend any lawsuit against the insured for property damage or bodily injury, but would not defend a lawsuit that did not involve property damage or bodily injury, which the policy defined as, quote, bodily injury, sickness, or disease sustained by a person, including death resulting from any of those at any time, close quote. The Supreme Court of New Jersey allowed recovery for the suffering of the parents, 
even though they suffered no physical injury. If the allegations of the underlying complaint fall within, or potentially within, the policy's coverage, the insurer's duty to defend arises even if the allegations are groundless, false, or fraudulent. An insured has the burden of proving that a claim falls within the coverage of the policy. Once the insured satisfies the burden, the insurer then has the burden of proving that the loss was limited or excluded by a contract provision. The allegations in the underlying complaint fell within or potentially within the policy's coverage, and the insurer's duty to defend arose even if the allegations were groundless, false, or fraudulent. An insured has the burden of proving that a claim falls within the coverage of the policy. Once the insured satisfied that burden, then the burden shifts to the insurer. Where the underlying complaint alleged facts within or potentially within the scope of coverage, the insurer must defend its insured. This is Northbrook Property versus Transportation Joint Agreement, a 2000 decision of the Illinois Supreme Court. Now, when a defense is not required is also something that every insurance claims person and insurance counsel must consider. For example, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeal in Court versus St. Paul Fire and Marine, a uh, 2002 decision, ruled on the issue where an insured painted over a work of art. Agreeing that no coverage was available for the insured, the Ninth Circuit explained, if a third-party complaint can by no conceivable theory raise a single issue which could bring it within the policy coverage, then there's no duty to defend. After an extensive review of the policy and every potential for coverage, the Ninth Circuit concluded that the artist's claim for the destruction of his work was not bodily injury, property damage, advertising injury, defamation, or any other event that was contemplated by the policy. It therefore sustained the summary judgment in favor of the insurer, finding it owed neither a duty to defend nor to indemnify the owners of the property who covered the work of art. In Hunt v. State Farm, a 2013 decision of the Illinois Court of Appeal, the State Farm's policy was canceled prior to an accident, and therefore, State Farm had no duty to defend its canceled insured. When a suit fails to allege property damage, bodily injury, or an occurrence as defined in the policy, there is no duty to defend. If a policy insures a portion of a building, it does not cover an injury occurring in another portion of the building. When an insured obtained a policy covering the fourth floor of a building, while the claimed injury for which the insured was sued occurred on the first floor, 
the court concluded there was no duty to defend, since the policy only provided coverage for injuries arising out of the insured portion of the building, namely the 10,000 square feet located on the first and at that time only floor of the building, it necessarily did not provide coverage for an additional three floors of an intended four-story structure, nor for the structure that existed during the construction of three additional floors on top of the insured building. Where the Montana Supreme Court determined that harm was objectively intended or expected, the insured's conduct suggested that the insured had some particular reason to believe that her acts were likely to cause harm. There can be no coverage for defense because then the loss was not fortuitous. There is no duty to defend when the policy essentially requires an accidental event to trigger coverage. When there is nothing accidental alleged in the complaint, the complaint either focuses on the intentional bad acts of the insured or non-fortuitous events like the resulting damage to a condo building due to shoddy workmanship of which the insured was allegedly aware. There is no duty to defend under the common law definition of accident a reasonably foreseeable harm resulting from deliberate conduct. Deliberate conduct is not an accident and thus not an occurrence under the insurance policies being considered by the court in Grange Insurance v. Roberts, a 2013 decision of the Washington Court of Appeal. On occasion, an insurer will issue a single promise policy that agrees only to indemnify the insured. Under this type of policy, the duty to indemnify does not come into effect until the insured has suffered a loss under the policy. For example, after 1. A judgment has been entered against the insured. 2. A binding arbitration award is made, or, and or 3. A judgment has been entered against a person whom the insured promised to indemnify. The single promise policy appears to be largely extinct, except on an excess basis or as a legal expense policy. It has a partial life in policies with extremely high self-insured retentions. That is, the amount of money the insured agrees to pay for both defense and indemnity in the event of a claim for costs of defense, indemnity, or both before the insurer is required to do anything. When an insured decides to save money, by purchasing a policy of insurance that does not have a duty to defend, he or she will not be able to obtain the defense coverage he or she bargained away by alleging ambiguity in the policy. This video was adapted from my book, Zelma on Insurance Claims, Part 103, Second Edition, 
which is available as both a Kindle book and a paperback from Amazon.com as part of the 10-volume set Zalma on Insurance Claims. If you found this video to be interesting or of use to you, please refer it to your colleagues. It's free. And please subscribe to my Rumble channel, my YouTube channel, and my blog so that you can be advised of future blog postings and future videos. Thank you for your attention.